Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around the planet. It's Midday Madness time. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. And the number is one 736 736 Anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss. We'll get you on for the next two hours. one 736 736 That's the open line number. Keep your text coming through as well on that 40 Winks temper text, 0433-981116, that number, 0433-981116. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. But again, it's Talkback Radio. Rather have a chat to you. I'll really really hit your text out a little later this hour. Great to have your company wherever you're listening and great to be talking some footy. It's been talking with Jared, who had David King on earlier today. And Adam Uze's spoken to the press today and he's become I think he's become a, he's become very easy to listen to that's one thing he has become and I like the fact that he's not buying himself any excuses early I want to play a little bit of Adam Uze's press conference quite often well Damien Harbick earlier this week this week appeared to be buying himself a bit of time with the development of his new game plan at the Gold Coast he said it's going to be a little clunky early And I get that. He's got to buy himself a little bit of time because it might take time. But there has been this excuse held that it might take until halfway through the first year of a new coach's tenure before the game plan gets bedded in. And we saw that a bit with Adam Kingsley last year. But Adam Uze, Adam Uze didn't buy himself any time or excuses today. He said, if they haven't learnt it, we haven't taught it. He's not buying himself till halfway through this coming season for Richmond to be good. And I love it. So your thoughts on this? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Play a little bit of Adam Uze and see if you, there is a Richmond fan, are, are kind of as pumped up as I am hearing it. Here's Adam Uze saying they need to be impatient. Oh, a little bit, but we're going to be impatient. Um, so I, I think we've got to fast track the way that we learn. So... Um, we have to be um, experts in the way that we educate because we do have um, a limited amount of time. So um, I, I can't. We're not going to take that as a as an excuse for not learning it. If um, if they haven't learnt it, we haven't taught it. So um, realistically, we hope that our our fans are excited and we want them to expect a, a certain a game style and and what they're going to see. So um, there's going to be some ups and downs and bumps along the roads, but. Um, 
what I do know is that our boys train really hard and they're really driven to get back to where you can see some, obviously some success that they've had in the past. Um, our job is obviously to find the next one. So um, we're going to be impatient to try to get them there really quickly. Adam Uze speaking earlier today. Your thoughts on that and how quickly can... Craig McRae, they bounce back quickly, Collingwood, under Craig McRae. Richmond's been successful, had a couple of down years, but they might bounce back if they get it right, like Collingwood did when Craig McRae came in and from day one got it right. Adam Uze as well, not trying to limit the expectations as well by saying, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just see where we end up. They're aiming to be top four. Adam Uze. I love this as well. Adam Uze, here he is. We're aiming to be a top four team. Oh, I said that I want our players feeling like they can be a top four team. So if, if realistically every footy club that have started training on Monday, if they're not feeling like they can either make the finals or play in the top, uh, or make the top four, we're kidding ourselves. As, as players, you want some belief and you want some aspirations. So we want to be, we don't want to put a ceiling on what they're feeling. So as a footy club, we'll be really clear on, it, on our um, path. But as a playing group, we want them really feeling like there's no ceiling on where they can finish. So, um, yeah, we hope that they train that way as well. Adam Uze earlier today. one 736 If you've got a thought on that, and well, I know if you're not a Richmond fan, you probably think, oh, well, it's a Richmond coaches press conference. There are some coaches who I think tend to have through, you listen to, regardless of whether you back for that team or not. Uh, uh, Damien Harbick's now that guy, obviously, with the Gold Coast. I mean, I think everybody now is prepared to listen to a press conference of Damien Harbick because he's got some more cut through than Stuart Jew had. Uh, yes, we got a few cliches trotted out earlier this week when Damien Harbick spoke, you know, fitter than ever. Uh, and a few coaches do this. I mean, the Crows tell us they've had 38 personal best times for their time trial. So the Crows are uh, fitter than ever, we're told, with their return. So I know that some of the coaches give us cliches, but uh, some are very listenable. And I might even give you my... I'll work out my top eight when it comes to press conference coaches you always listen to uh, very surely. And if you want to send through yours as well, because Adam Uze might be in the top eight by the end of this year, the way he's going with his honesty. Um, I reckon Craig McRae is right up there when it comes to the top ones to listen to. Ross Lyon's not far away as well. But your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number if you'd like to join me. And I'll also play a little bit of what Adam Uze had to say about the captaincy doesn't sound like it's decided under Adam as well. And their forward line doesn't sound like it's decided just yet. He's thinking of throwing someone else into the mix who he wouldn't name today. So I'll bring you that shortly as well. Uh, Nola in Perth, if you head to your calls, welcome to you, Nola. You've got a thought on the competition Hi, you, as a whole. Can you hear me okay? Hello? Yes, absolutely, Nola. Welcome to oh, you. Actually, I was listening to Kingy this morning about, you know, the 20 teams and putting one in the Northern Territory. And I think, you know, it would be a wonderful thing for the communities up there. And you could have the uh, front end of the competition, the back end of the competition in Darwin, and the middle of the season in Alice Springs, maybe the government might get behind you to put a team in there because it could be really good. They could take it out of the Indigenous budget even to maybe create a nice stadium there. And I think just for the people that live in the Northern Territory, it could be a real thing when you see what AFLW has done to the girls' game and getting girls in younger and giving them a goal that it could actually be a great thing to do for the Northern Territory and the people that live there. And at the end of the day, Dwayne, I would just like to 
see us all play somebody once, not this stupid concocted competition we've got where you play some teams twice in a year. And I just think it would be a nice, fair competition. And that, that was, it was just about that. Put a year on it, Nola. When will we get to 20 teams? We know that the aspiration is to have a 19th team and have Tasmania come in in 2028, probably. As soon as possible. As soon as possible. And there's plenty of kids out there right now who are leaving, going to soccer, going to basketball, you know, and just put the seed in there, even if it's, you know, the next year after Tasmania, but to let them know there is something for them to do and to strive for. Appreciate your call, Nola, and a nice way to kick us off. And we've got something for you as well. We've got a e-gift card redeemable online or in-store thanks to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf. That's coming your way. Appreciate you kicking us off. Uh, 20 teams. Yeah, whether they should or should they bring them in at the same time? That's the issue as well. I mean, if it's 2028 or 2029, the Tassie finally come in because they can't get their stadium built up and running and it ends up being delayed, then maybe you could bring them in at the same time. And, yeah, everyone plays each other once, which would be kind of cool. Trout and what ends on the line? Welcome to you, Trout. Good morning. Hello, listeners. Yeah, long time, no call, but I'm still listening all the time. Look, just two quick things with Uze. Look, I don't agree one to four, but I would say seven to 12 at this stage until the young players get um, split in. But Dwayne, do you like Do you like the fact that your coach has put top four on the agenda, though, Trout? I, I look, I think he's spot on on what he's saying. I probably wouldn't have said it, but I think what he's saying is correct because there's a lot of players there with a lot of experience and that sort of didn't deliver the second half of last uh, the last season. So, yeah, the pressure's on. I, I like it. I'm very happy with it. Now, the other thing, the number four jumper, Dwayne, at Richmond. Wow, what can you say? Currently, two current champions playing in the number four at Richmond. Did you know Monique was... Um, Five times best and fairest. She could possibly win her sixth straight at Richmond. She's won the AFLW best. And I'll give you a little tip that I heard on the grapevine. Um, that they had a race off Dusty and Monique. And you know who won? <laughs> who Monique. won? Monique. Uh, what was the distance of the race? Uh, how many metres nah, was a trout? Was it uh, 20, 100, a K? No, nah, I, I don't know the distance, but that's my, my information is that she beat him. Good to have you call, Trout, and uh, good to hear you up and about. Hey, Trout, who's your captain going to be? Because Adam Uze put this on the agenda as well. Well, I think like every Richmond supporter out there, and, I, and I'd say nearly every Richmond supporter, we don't want dual captaincy. We should never have done it. Um, I would. I don't know. I, I, if it's, even if it's Grimes for one more year or, or it's Toby just by themselves, I think one captain's enough. Good to have you called, Trout. Here's what Adam Uze said about the captaincy is to be decided with the leadership uh, being on his agenda in the coming weeks. Here's the Richmond coach on that. Uh, that's going to be a process. That's not going to just be my decision. It'll be a footy club decision. Um, there'll be a process around selecting the leadership group um, and then we'll work out going from there. So those discussions and that process will start uh, this, this week. Um, we'll go on a camp next week, which is going to be really important. Um, and as I said, that would be a club decision. And, and realistically, the guys that are in our leadership group are going to have a fair say in that as well. So, um, yeah, that information will come out in the next few weeks. Richmond fans, who do you want as captain? We want to let them play with flair. So um, on offence, we've, we've got to give them the opportunity to go, go at the game. Um, 
the best teams play with a lot of speed um, and with a lot of risk. So there's no no reason why when we win the footy back um, that we can't play with a lot of um, dare and, and risk. But we want to, on the flip side, we want to, you've obviously got to be really strong in a contest and, and defensively stable. So we're educating all of that, but I'm wrapped that our young players feel like they can go and play some dare for sure. Richmond coach Adam Uze was good today. He used all those words, speed, risk, flair, dare. He said that they should be aiming for top four, no ceiling, and they weren't giving anyone an excuse for not knowing the game plan round one. He's not giving it until halfway through the season to bet in, and I love it. Midday Madness for Work Locker, Karen Downs and Packenham, Unlock Stockton, full of value. Workwear for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. Peter in Reservoir, as we head back to your calls, for Midday Madness, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Welcome to you, Peter. G'day, Dwayne. Thanks for taking my call. I really enjoy your show. Uh, Thank one you. of the best shows going around. Thank you. Uh, it's good to talk I'd, some footy, I'd, Pete. I'd like to, good to um, talk some sport. Yes, um, I'd like to say the um, next Richmond captain should be Dustin Martin. Uh, that'll show him a little bit of respect. From the uh, more respect from the uh, the club, probably get him out of his comfort zone to speak to the media more. Uh, he'd have a lot of interesting things to say, and uh, maybe keep him uh, keep him at Richmond that way. Yeah, well, he hasn't signed yet. In fact, Adam Uzo did address the signing of Dustin Martin as well, and uh, it's on everyone's agenda at some stage this year that Dustin Martin needs to sign to stop the rumours of will he go to the Gold Coast? Maybe to end his career. I'll play you what he had to say about Dustin Martin shortly, shortly Peter, Adam Uze, but you'd think he'd want to do the press conferences and stuff. That's the hard part for Dustin Martin as captain, Peter. He doesn't like talking to the media all that much and doing the, the photo stuff, does he? But he doesn't, but that, by getting him out of his comfort zone, he may start yep. feeling better about things. He'll have lots of interesting things to say. And it may motivate him even more to play even better. Yeah, good to have you called, Peter. Would you like Dustin Martin as your captain, Richmond fans? He does have to do some media this coming year because as part of the, part of the new CBA, all 23 players that play have to be available to the media. So he's going to have to talk regardless of whether he's captain or not. So if he's going to do that, maybe he's better off just being your captain. You got a thought on that one? Three hundred seven three six seven three six. A couple of texts that have come through on it. Uh, Andrew, I'll come to you shortly. Uh, I've always loved Dylan Grimes, but for ninety percent of last year, he didn't deserve his spot in the side. He was probably there out of necessity due to injuries. But a C next to his name makes it harder to play him in the twos. Can't see him being skipper again. That's uh, from Dave. And uh, yeah, well, they've left it up for renegotiation. Adam Uze, uh, do what you can do over the preseason, and we'll. Work out the leadership group in a month or two's time. Andrew Mill Park, welcome to you, Andrew. Duano, welcome back and Merry Christmas. I'm glad you enjoyed the motherland and especially Sicily, mate. So, but it's it's good to have you back on the radio and hear your voice. Is, is that um, your old uh, is that your old home, Sicily? It's one of the best places I've ever been to in the world, Andrew. Uh, my dad's from Sicily, but yeah, no, it's, uh, you can't beat Australia. But yeah, it's nice over <laughs> there for a holiday. That's it. Got uh, the times. I'm excited about uh, what Uzo's been saying in the media, playing hard, you know, fast footy mm. and taking a bit of risk. Because with Gimmer, uh, don't want to mention his name, but it was just old predictable kick down the line and, you know, try to force the, the ball over and, and, and go from the counter-attacking style. But, um, no, excited for next year and we're hopefully building for the next couple of years with the young kids like Ralph Smith, Banks and so forth. But in regard to the captaincy, 
got to take it off Grimes and make Curvis and give it to Nick Lawson. You know, how he plays is underrated and he's quite hard mm. and loyal. And, uh, yeah, overall, he's just a great player and respectful as well. And he speaks well. So my, my choice is Nick Lawson, mate. Yeah, not a bad call. There's a couple on the text as well. Lynch and Dusty as co-captains. Thanks for that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you've got a thought on it. Just on, while we're talking about Adam Uze, um, he did say a few things today, and while we're talking about him in Richmond, uh, we might as well put this on the agenda as well. He said that their forward line isn't necessarily what we think it's going to be. He threw up the option of putting someone else in there from defence, especially if Tom Lynch isn't available early in the season. Is that Noah Bolter? Is he throwing up the Noah Bolter idea without actually telling us that today. Here's Adam Uze on Richmond's forward line if Tom Lynch isn't available. Well, we've got some terrific young kids. We've brought in Jacob Kashitsky. We've got Samson Ryan. Um, we've got some key position players that need an opportunity. So, um, yeah, we might there might be some changes in personnel and positions, and, and that will come out in the near future. I'm not going to disclose those right now, but we're going to we're tinkering with what our best look can be. But Touchwood, as I said, Tommy Lynch is obviously a big pillar in that, and and if he's not available, then um, some of the kids will get a go. Um, but yeah, that part of that is obviously some frustration if he isn't available, but some excitement with some young players getting opportunity. Might be some changes with personnel and positions. So uh, some good news there for Richmond fans if Adam Uze is going to experiment a little bit. A couple of texts coming through. In the meantime, uh, keep your texts coming through. 0433-981116 is the text machine number. Brought to us by 40 Winks and Temper. 0433-981116. The all-new Temper Pro. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. Um, Jack Graham is captain. Absolute workhorse. Could elevate him to the next level, if not him. Tim Taranto, a must-best performer to lead by example. Uh, thanks for that. Tom Lynch should be captain. Speaks well and leads from the front on game day. Uh, not a bad option. There's a few that come through for co-captains Dusty and Lynch, or at least one person that's put the same text in a few times. I don't think people necessarily like the co-captain's idea. It will be interesting to see whether Adam Uze's idea is just to go with a solo captain. Uh, Uze has been successful everywhere he's gone, and you never hear anything but good things from everyone he's coached, so there's no reason not to believe what he's saying, Matt, in Glen Iris. And that is the issue right now with uh, Adam Uze, I think. Well, I mentioned that he might end up being in the, of the most listenable coaches in the comp. Who are the coaches whose press conferences you like to listen to? Who says the best stuff? I'll give you my... I'll run through my top eight. I'll take a quick break for, for some news and I'll give you a top eight. Press conferences you like listening to most. Who says the best stuff? Who are the talkback doll movers? There's one here uh, on the text. As a Melbourne supporter, I'd put Simon Goodman last. Yeah, I'm not sure I'll put Goody in the top eight. There were a few coming at him last year. He was under fire late, and the journos in Melbourne certainly haven't been giving him or letting him off the hook in recent times. Is Goody in the top eight? We'll take your calls on that. Who do you like listening to? Plenty to come. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's but Always great to have your calls for Midday Madness. Keep them coming through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, we'll get you on for the next hour and a half for Midday Madness. Um, coaches you'd most like to hear from or who who does stop the presses when they talk? We've heard from Damien Harbick this week, Michael Voss, Adam Uze. Um, I think Craig McRae is still number one for me. Uh, he, he's a breath of fresh air. He was, he's very philosophical about a lot of things. Got a bit of Ted Lasso about him. 
Craig McRae uh, is likeable. He's now the premiership coach, so he's going to be the number one to listen to across the next couple of months, you'd think, going into the start of the season. Still love Ross Lyon. i got Roscoe at number two. Always give you a quotable quote. And the Saints made finals last year, so they're more relevant on a couple of fronts than they have been for quite a while. They've got Ross Lyon, and they're a finals team heading into a new season. I think Luke Beveridge's press conferences are always worth listening to. There's a bit of a car crash factor with some of them. He might cook someone or complain about an issue, put something on the agenda, and you, don't, you can't beat a coach who puts something on the agenda every now and then. And this might be relevant again this coming season and arguably the coach under the most pressure if they don't get some wins early. Damien Harbick has to be top four. He's made the Gold Coast press conferences relevant now, and uh, he was good listening earlier this week. Chris Scott's always a chance to ruffle feathers. Ruffle someone's fan base. He's relevant when the Cats are winning and he might become even more listenable if the Cats are on the ropes this year for you as someone who doesn't necessarily like the Cats. Uh, I love the fact that Alistair Clarkson's going to be back in full flight this year coaching for North. He's always listenable, four-time premiership coach, always relevant. And he has a view, I think, that is listened to overall. And he has a view on a holistic basis as well as to the whole competition. Uh, he's been fighting his fight off the field the past 12 months or so, but uh, hopefully uh, that's behind him now and he can now fight the fight on the field for North Melbourne. John Longmire, you know, normally he normally complains about something or has a comment on the bigger picture, so I think I'll sneak John Longmire into the top eight. Who's in your top eight? Uh, Chris Fagan got a bit grumpy at times last year. Uh, Sam Mitchell speaks very well. But I think he needs his team to be a little higher on the ladder to be as relevant as some of the other some of the other coaches. Brad Scott for Essendon fans. So your thoughts on that? We'll take your calls one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So that's roughly my top eight: McRae, Lyon, Beveridge, Harwick, Chris Scott, Alistair Clarkson, John Longmire, and I will throw Simon Goodwin into the eight. Uh, been under fire of late, and the Junos in Melbourne haven't been letting him off the hook. So his press conference has been. Pretty good so far. But Adam Uze might be in the top eight by the end of the year. Straight back to your calls and your texts. Ray on the road. We're coming to you in a matter of seconds. A couple of texts that have come through about your stop the press. Uh, the coaches talking press conference coaches. Uh, one here, Dimmer Talks. The world listens. He's top of the list. Uh, you might be right. He's top of the list. And we all listened this week. Uh, another here, depends on the reason you're listening to them. Michael Voss, for example, always speaks well and explains himself and what's happening very well. Yeah, Vossi, I think, is he's, he's, uh, very much like the, he speaks like the common man and uh, he doesn't go deep that often. He often, I think, doesn't want to go too deep into what Carlton do. Um, some coaches, I do think, go a little deeper when it comes to their game plan, but I get what you're saying about Vossi as well. Um, one here. Um, Goodwin never had a press conference last year. They were all by Zoom with Uze at the, at the Tigers. Who will coach Melbourne this year? Ross, thanks for that one, Ross. I appreciate that. And um, one here uh, on Mick Malthouse. Loved Malthouse. Always had someone in the gun having to sit through those inane questions at times. You couldn't blame him, could you, Sharon, in Glen Iris? Keep your texts coming through. Uh, the Stop the Presses coaches when they talk we listen and if you've got a thought who should be in the top eight this year then give us a call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. ray welcome to you ray thanks for holding g'day jane how you going good that's good uh yeah just a quick reply to my friend from brisbane that rang you yesterday saying that collingwood manipulated the 666 rule and he went back and watched the collingwood gws game and they did it there and 
Collingwood are cheating and my big friend from Brisbane, I love you so much. Keep ringing up. Listen, mate, your own coach came out after the grand final and said the scoreboard didn't reveal the true damage. Collingwood totally outplayed Brisbane, outcoached, outplayed. That was from your own coach. And listen, mate, life's too short. At some stage, you've got to accept that you lost the game. Don't worry about watching Collingwood replays. Enjoy your life, mate. Thanks, Dane. Good on you, Ray. Uh, thanks for your call on Midday Madison. Speaking of Brisbane, Greg Swan was on with Gerard Whateley earlier today, uh, the CEO of the Lions, and we'll play a little bit of what Greg Swan had to say in response to, well, he called them Victorian whingers when it came to the academies, so I'll play you that very shortly as well. But uh, I want to head to your calls as the priority, as always, for Midday Madison. Brian and Wallen is on the line. Welcome to you, Brian. G'day, Dwayne. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, I've got my top 10 for um, best coaches, I think. Nice. Um, first is Craig McCray. Um, it goes without saying, he's a breath of fresh air. And um, number two, Longmire. Uh, always three, gives Warren. us something, John. He does always give something. I like that about him as well, Brian. It's, uh, he, he sometimes doesn't know he's given us something and throws it out there. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. What about Ross Lyon at three? Yeah, he's a quotable coach. And he also always gives us a little pearl of wisdom. There's got to, it's got to be a book one day with Ross Lyonisms come out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What about Clarko at four? Yeah, Clarko, he gets a little edgy at times, but he's a four-time premiership coach. You have to listen, Brian. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Scott at five? Uh, I like Chris Scott, but some people think I'm a little biased for Geelong. But I, I think he, he, he ruffles people's feathers, and that's why I like playing his stuff. Uh, in terms of talkback reaction, Chris Scott's got to be in the top eight. Yeah, I've got Vossi at six. Yeah, I'd like him uh, to go a bit deeper at his press conferences, but he's a likeable guy, Brian. He talks like the common man, and I love that as well. Yeah, he's a pretty straight shooter. Um, I like Ken Hinckley at seven. Yeah, I think because he's coaching Port, it doesn't quite have the cut through nationally, Ken. He certainly does in Adelaide, but doesn't quite have the national cut through, but nice nomination. Yeah, I've got Goodwin at eight. Yeah, Goody's going to be an interesting watch this year. Yeah, good, good nomination. I've got him in my eight as well. Uh, I've got Brad Scott at nine. Yeah, second year round, I think he'll give us a bit more. It was good that he was from the AFL headquarters last year because what he had to say was not only the new coach of Essendon saying it, it was the guy who used to be running the game saying it. So there was added cut through with what he had to say. I think the Bombers will improve under, under him. Yeah. And I've got um, Adam Simpson at 10. I think he's yeah, well, press conference is okay, um, considering, you know, they got belted every week. Yeah, they, they became, it became a car crash every press conference he did last year. And I think they need to be a bit higher on the ladder. But, um, yeah, in WA, it certainly would be number one. Brian, that's a nice nomination from you. You've been a bit of work on that. Hold the line. We've got a Pataki ham. Any, anyone else you missed out? Um... No, not really. That was my top ten. I like that, uh, Brian, because uh, we have to make a choice as to whose presses we play and who we try and send a journo out to give you live as well on this program. So we'll be going through all that again next year. Hold the line. We've got a Bataki ham for you down there in Wallen, Brian. Uh, Bataki ham. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki ham. one 736 If you've got a thought, uh, one here as a Saints man, I love Ross Lyons press conferences. Listen to them all. Uh, thanks for that as well. Got a few nominations coming through 
on uh, well, firstly Richmond Collingwood didn't have the ma- the major injuries to key players for multiple weeks like the Tigers did. So that's from Sean as well, and that alignment as to whether Adam Uze can get the first year spike from Richmond that Craig McRae got at Collingwood. Another one here, the more worrying thing about that comment from Uze, I'm worried that Lynch won't be ready. Paul, uh, he did mention that, and that's the talk about whether the forward line needs a Noah Bolter, even though he didn't mention Noah Bolter. Uh, not a Tigers supporter, but I would have Liam Baker as captain. Cheers. That's from Glenn as well. And one here, hi, Dwayne. Regarding the academy points system, maybe Victorians will be happy when we go back to the good old days when VFL clubs bought premierships. Um, Matt in Brisbane, well, we don't have to go back to those good old days, but we could go back to the good old days when there were zones in Victoria. If you've got a thought on this, here's firstly, well, they're going to change the system. Jared and I were talking about it. Jared and Kingy were talking about it. They will change the system, I think, the AFL to, well, there's a Northern Academy advantage right now that the Southern States don't have because they can't pick a next-gen Academy pick in the top 40. If you had to pay a fair price again, and let's face it, the Gold Coast didn't have to pay that big a price for their first-round picks this year, if all of a sudden they opened up the draft for the Victorian clubs to have next-gen Academy picks, I think it would be a good idea for the next draft and going on to the future. Here's Greg Swan firstly on the Academy system and the Victorian whinges from earlier today with Jarrett. Depends if the AFL hold firm. I mean, the Vicks are all whinging and carrying on, so they'll put pressure on. Um, and look, the, probably the obvious one is to uh, take away the discount. You know, the 20% certainly helps. Um, but, you know, the, you know, we we all invest between, you know, I, I, again, I'm not speaking for Sydney and West Sydney and the others, but, you know, we spend between one and a half and two million dollars a year on it. And, and it's also for the development of the code. So you sort of got to get a bit of a lick of the ice cream to get some players through that, to spend that sort of money. And, um, yeah, look, they, they might have a look at tweaking it. But, I mean, I think yeah, th- this year, because it's an anomaly, because of the four to one, and, and they're all really good players, don't get me wrong. I mean, I understand that, that you know, some of them are beauties. Um, but it's pretty rare that that happens. I mean, I suppose logic says that if we keep, growing the code and there's more and more kids play and now academies get better and better that it might happen again or it might happen every second year and then then that's probably going to create problems but i i think this is a little bit of an anomaly and people are jumping uh, you know carrying on a bit much just because of one draft i mean we didn't get any out of our academy yep. this year uh sydney had one and i don't think gws had oh they might have had one late as well but yeah it wasn't a smorgasbord i mean just the, the gold coast had had a sort of freakish year. And weirdly enough, I think three of the four of them were from the same junior club. So they would have been pretty strong in the old, yeah. as they're coming through the juniors. So would it be your contention, don't change it? I'd let it run for a bit and just see, look, if it happens again or it keeps happening, then then you could jump jump at it. But I think this is a one-off. I mean, you know, again, I look at our history the last three years. We've, um, well, it depends if you class Jasper Fletcher as a father-son or an academy player, but... Again, if you call him father son, we didn't have any last year, and then, you know we've had a few the years before. But um, Kadeen Coleman's our last one, but you know, and and he was a pick in the '30s, so um, he wasn't an early pick in those days. He's a really good player, but but he wasn't an early pick, so nobody cared too much. You know, it was just that all these kids were probably well, they are. They all got bid in the first round, so they're all very good players. So that's what's created the angst. But I, I think you'd leave it. 
Greg Swan, he doesn't want to change the system. I think they will change the system. I think they will allow the Southern State Victorian clubs to have access to their academy kids in the first 40 picks like it once was. Uh, the Dogs grabbed Jamara Eugle Hagen, pick one from their academy, but the rule changed after that. So the Victorian teams hopefully will rattle that cage. I think they can ramp up their academies if they get that first round access or the first 40 pick access to their academy kids again. I think the AFL should change the system. I think the AFL should also change the system where you have to pay a first round pick for a first round pick. So if you've got a kid in your academy that you know is going to be taken in the first round by another club and you have to match the bid, you've got to match a first round pick with a first round pick. Now, that might mean you can match pick three if he gets taken to pick three with your pick 17, but that's fine. And if you know you've got three kids in your academy that are going to be taken in the first round, then you're just going to have to get yourself three first-round picks. You might have to trade your pick three to get picks 16, 17 and 18 with your pick three, and then you've got three first-round picks to use on your three first-round academy kids. But I think the AFL should allow the Victorian clubs access in the first 40. There could be, there could even be a few Victorian clubs rattle the zones cage as well. So, you know, should should the Victorian teams have zones again? Have you got a thought on that? Bring back zones? South Australia, WA have inner city zones. Should Port Adelaide have access to their, their peninsula, uh, traditional Port Adelaide peninsula? Should Geelong have their inner city circle as their own? Your thoughts on that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six off the back of what Greg Swan had to say, and Kingy and Jared talking earlier today. There will be a change. The AFL is considering it. Straight back to your calls, Billy and Epping. Thanks for holding, Billy. Welcome. Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Just, um, just curious. What benefits do the um do the southern states get for, you know, having these um academy players if they can't touch them until they're, you know, after after the pick forty and. You know, like, if they've got a gun on their hands, what benefit do they get out of it? Yeah, none, uh, Billy, if you can't get him. Um, Jamari Yukelhagen sort of going to the dogs, changed the rule, and I think they need to change it back. So you're right. I think they will invest more in local academies and get more kids. I think it's good that the Saints have got a couple um, in recent times as well. Uh, two kids that have played together for their entire, or well, a lot of their junior career as well. So you're going to get that benefit. A bit like the Swans have the benefit now of having kids that have been together from the age of 13 and have got to know John Longmire from the age of 13. So, yeah, bring it on, I reckon, Billy, and give them access in the first 40 picks again as opposed to making them wait uh, outside their first 40 for all the southern states, not just Victoria, but SA and WA as well. Great to have you call, Billy. Thanks for holding. You've got 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a cart. Get 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek for just $99. Visit Club Mandalay com. .au. Russell in Reservoir, Zones, you reckon they should bring him back or not? Welcome to you. Absolutely not. <laughs> I remember Collingwood Zones. <laughs> Hawthorne, uh, they, they got a fantastic zone. They got, uh, they got Matthews and Tuck and about five or six other champions. Uh, Carlton had uh, Bendigo, which they got Southby and about five or six other, you know, Essen got the Riverina, uh, St Kilda got Ballarat and Collingwood got a, had a a number of little country towns, which we got one player out of, Renee Kink. So it's the luck of the draw. Uh, you, you might get a terrific zone or you might get a terrible one, which makes, makes it very, very difficult to get any chance to get a premiership. I mean, those zones help Carlton 
became a, a power club and they, they won three or four premierships uh, with those zones. Hawthorne the same, uh, Essendon the same. So uh, I'm definitely <laughs> remembering Collingwood's attempts. I'm definitely against zones. Appreciate appreciate your call, Russell. I mean, it would be nice in a way to have Bulldogs have access to, you know, kids around Hoppers and all the way to Milton, maybe. I, I think there's a way it could work, but you're right, you might get a bad zone. Um, then traditionally it ends up being a really bad area for you. You didn't really get your lick of the ice cream, and that, that is the problem with it. But it's the same with the Gold Coast. I mean, they might think that that was a bad zone earlier. It's a good zone now because they've worked it. David in Mernie, your thoughts on zones? Talking to you, David. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Look, um, yeah, I, I'm also with the other caller. It's just called. Um, I'm sort of against the zones. Um, it, it's never worked into anyone's favour, just as the other gentleman had said. I mean, we could think about one person, five night, five time day, Dermot Brereton. Technically, he should have been playing for St Kilda, but, um, you know, uh, people can still change their post boxes and things like that to manipulate the system. Yep. So I just don't think it is a fair... Uh, system there whatsoever, but maybe what we could look at is maybe you know where you're positioned, um, you know geographically. You could look at the zoning sort of into the TAC teams and etc. There. Yeah, maybe you're right. I think Eddie was on about aligning the TAC Cup team with an AFL team, or even having instead of having you know the the TAC Cup system that we've got like Oakley Chargers etc. Just have Collingwood's under-17 team, etc., and align them with AFL clubs. You don't have to double up with gyms, etc., as well, having an Oakley Chargers gym and Collingwood's gym. That's the hard part, though, access to it for kids. And if you've got a team like Collingwood that has, you know, an AFL women's program, uh, it makes it hard to get access for those kids. But I think it would be great. If you're a kid and you're in Collingwood's zone and you get to play for Collingwood's under-17 team, that would be kind of cool. I reckon, hey, we'll take a heap of your calls on this. Craig and Mermaid Beach on the Gold Coast. I know you've got a thought on Greg Swan's comments. John M. Frankston wants to talk Glenn Maxwell as well. Certainly want to get to Glenn Maxwell's innings last night. It was ridiculously good again. Nick and Mernda, we'll get to you. Keep your calls coming. one 736 736 It's Dwayne's World and it's Midday Madness. And uh, Midday Madness, of course, uh, is brought to you... Well, in fact, the open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. We're heading back to your calls for another big hour of Midday Madness. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. And Craig, John, Nick, we'll get to you first. one 736 If you'd like to get on anything in the water sport you'd like to discuss, we'll get you on for the next hour and then after the 2 o'clock news, we'll have a chat to the outgoing AFL General Manager of Women's Football, Nicole Livingston, who we'll have a chat to about uh, this week's grand final, this Sunday's AFLW grand final, and why it isn't at Marvel. We'll be putting that question to her. Why isn't it at Marvel Stadium, given it's a sellout at Icon Park? Why is Marvel Stadium unavailable? We'll also have a chat to BBL and WBBL General Manager Alistair Dobson, as well, so we'll stick around for that later. But your calls for midday madness, another big hour, Craig, in Mermaid Beach. Uh, we'll come to you first. You've been holding the longest. Welcome to you, Craig. Hi, Dwayne. Uh, good afternoon. Hey, look, I just wanted to make comment to Greg Swan's uh, interview that you just replayed, where he sort of said that um, look, it was just a one-off, a bit of a purple patch this this draft with academies. Um, I'd like to point out if you actually go and have a look at the all-Australian uh, 2023 under-16 side, 
11 of the All-Australian side are Northern Academy kids. Five of the starting 18 are Gold Coast Suns Academy kids. So this isn't going to go away in two years' time. It's going to be even a bigger issue for all the Victorian clubs. And in two years' time, you're very, very close to the Tasmanian uh, compromised draft coming in. Uh, so I don't think it's a one-off. Um, I think he's incorrect. If you have a look at the form of the under-16s, if they carry through, 11 of the 22 are Northern Academy kids. Yeah, so uh, there are a few people on the text saying exactly what you're saying as well. One here, the Suns are expected to take another haul of elite academy picks in two years' time from the 2025 draft, which Greg Swan has conveniently forgotten when he stated this year's haul for the Suns was a one-off anomaly. Um, so, yeah, that's a, it, it, it is the point. I mean, do you wait until it's a five-off before you actually make the change? Uh, the AFL would be able to look ahead. They'll see what the All-Australian team looks like as the under-16 All-Australian team. They would know what kids are coming through. Their recruiters will be telling them, hey, you better be careful here. Greg Swan threw out, did he say that there's 25 father-sons coming through for the Cats? I'll get that comment out. He threw that out as well today, Greg Swan, just to let us know that it's going to be very uneven coming up with one particular Victorian-based club. I think he said 25 father-sons coming up. Hey, Craig and Mermaid Beach, great to have you called. Thanks for holding. Thanks for kicking off the second hour. Uh, Nick in Mernda, welcome to you, Nick. Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Uh, with all these proposed changes and things like that, I know Carlton have um, banked points this year for the Camper Rally Twins. Is that at risk of falling through for next year? No, I don't think so. I think if they brought in a points change, they would have to make it like two years in advance, Nick. So from 2025 onwards, here's the points you have to pay for a draft pick. I don't think you could bring it in now given they've already set up for next year's draft with trading future second, first and second round picks. So they essentially set next year's draft up with trading out this year's picks for next year. They can't just change the system for next year now immediately, I don't think. There needs to be a, a one-year in advance tick over. All right, that's good to hear then. It's supposed to be really Well, that's only my opinion, Nick. It might not happen like that. But I, don't, I think it would be unfair if Carlton and other clubs have set themselves up for next year's draft and all of a sudden the rules get changed on them now given how much they were, how hard they worked with this year's draft picks to set themselves up for next year. All right, well, let's hope so. Appreciate your call. Uh, here is Greg Swan talking about, um, well, how many Geelong father-sons are coming? I think it's 14 of the last 16 premiers have been Victorians. So it's pretty hard to win when you're in a state. And, and, and it's interesting because I suppose you, you were probably going to ask me about the academies and things like that. But the whole comp's unfair. You know, the draw's unfair. Where you play, the travel. And so, you know, I do, I'm a bit bemused about, you know, the carry-on about the academies. I mean, even – and it was pretty freakish for the Suns. But, I mean, if you go back – and I'm not defending them per se, but – you know, if you look at the big players that they've had over the journey, they've been in this for 12 and 13 years with that academy. And probably if you count Charlie Dixon um, and Jack Bowes and maybe Connor Budrick as ones that have come through, and two of them don't play anymore for this club. And then, you know, to say, oh, you know, this is a disgrace. Look what's happened. I mean, they got four in one year. It's, it's a bit freakish. But if you look at the history of their academy, it hasn't been – it's not rivers of gold. I mean, father-sons are – 
an anomaly. I mean, the the scuttlebutt around town is that Geelong have got twenty five father sons coming in the next five or six years. Right. Twenty five, you know, and the poor old saints they haven't had a father son for forever. So everything's unfair. So you just have to. It's all it's all relative. I mean, so we and and when you are interstate, you you just accept that. I mean, I think when we played Collingwood, when we ran on the MCG, that was our third game there, and Collingwood that was their seventeenth. But that's how it is. You know, the game's in Melbourne. The finals are at um, the MCG and 10 teams are in Melbourne. So, you know, so the academy uh, is good for the clubs, not only to um, hopefully keep Queensland talent and get them not playing rugby union or rugby league. Greg Swan earlier today, maybe thou protesteth too much, Greg. Um, Scuttlebutt around town is that Geelong's got 25 Father sons coming. That talk about throwing out a scare factor for everybody. How much does that scare people? Just because you've got a son of a gun doesn't mean they're all going to end up as AFL players. But uh, yeah, don't be worried about the Gold Coast having more academy kids coming through as a scare factor for the future. Um, we should be scared of Geelong with their father sons. Ryan, in or wherever you are, Ryan, welcome to you. You've got a thought on Northern Academies? Oh, just congratulations to the AFL, Gil McLaughlin, and everybody involved with setting it up. We've, we've got what we wanted. AFL is more on the map and than what it was prior to the prior to the Gold Coast Suns being in the comp. So, excellent result. So, it's an excellent result because we're now getting growth in the northern states. That's what you're talking about. There's kids playing footy on the Gold Coast. Well, that, that and also, you know, the, the options they're going to create for themselves to stay relevant by being able to draft, you know, high-level quality players to whoever in the AFL and probably not suffering when Tasmania come in and that was a big concern. Hmm. Hey Ryan, uh, I appreciate you calling. That is, I'm happy for the Gold Coast to get these academy concessions. I think it's great and I said that earlier this week and I said it last week but I'd also like the next gen academy system to be re- revamped in Victoria so and, and in WA and in South Australia so they can have access to the first 40 picks, academy picks as well, because they changed it after Jamara Hagen. So let's make it fair across the board. If you've got a kid in your academy and he's a first-round pick, you have access, regardless of which club and which part of Australia you're in. Hey, Ryan, where is Australind? I didn't know where that was. Welcome to you. Oh, Australind, mate. It's, it's just um, south of Perth, over in Western Australia. I just don't like saying Bunbury. But that 20 kilometres north of Bunbury... <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Are you listening through SEN Spirit over there? Yeah, always, mate. Every day. Every day. Hey, great to have you. I really appreciate you uh, having a, a listen. And uh, we've got a got an e-gift card coming your way to Redimble online or in-store thanks to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf. Hold the line. We've got that. We'll send it over to you. Has Australind got a golf course or do you have to go to Bunbury? Oh, you know, i got a couple. And then down in Dunsbury, yelling up pretty good courses, so... Cheers, Wayne. Hold the line. We've got that coming for you, Ryan, in Australia. If you've got a thought on all of this, one 736 736 is the open line number. Greg Swan certainly ruffled a few feathers earlier today. Uh, one here, the clubs started exploiting the academies by finding elite talent within the international Aboriginal heritage. So to bring in cheaply, well, I think they didn't exploit it. They just The system was such that we wanted to bring in players who don't have a traditional AFL background to AFL. So the AFL set up that next-gen academy system to allow that process to happen, and it's worked brilliantly, I think, having a number of players come to AFL that might not necessarily have grown up with a traditional 
AFL-loving family. Uh, every club could have 42 father-son. Silly statement. Not all players have kids. Not all kids play football and are good enough for the AFL. And a couple here. Get rid of it all. Father-sons, get rid of it. Get rid of Academy. Get rid of Priority Picks. AFL are soap compromised. I'm over it. Uh, and another one here. Go back to Zones Pipe. Cats would be a production line. Yeah, I wouldn't give Geelong access to all of the surf coast. You'd maybe give them Cryo to live, Paul. But, uh, yeah, maybe that's too big an area. Uh, Justin in Heidelberg. Welcome to you, Justin. Drano, how are you, buddy? Um, just on the Good. same topic. Listen, you know, I'm, a, I'm an avid Collingwood supporter and have followed and played and coached footy and everything. So um, I just wish a lot of the, the Melbourne-based teams, the strong ones, especially wouldn't continue complaining about all these academies and so forth up, up north. I mean, end of the day, it's a, it's a national comp, isn't it? And we just want the sides that never have much success to actually get in the mix. Um, as a Collingwood person, we, we do well. We succeed and the club's well run. Um, but we shouldn't be at all worried about, either should your Essendons or your Richmonds or your Carltons be worried about these academies. I mean... We all want Gold Coast to make finals and, and be a bit successful like the other clubs have done. And good luck to all of them, I think, with this system. So should it open up for the Victorian clubs to have access to their next-gen academy kids if they're top 40 picks? Justin, as the dogs got a chance to do with Jamari Hagen before the rules were changed? Oh, listen, possibly in a small way, but not in any extreme way that's similar to what Gold Coast may have. I mean, I think they need everything they can get to just get competitive. and They haven't played finals yet in this, their whole history of the competition. So I think it's just, it'd be good to see other sides have that, that bit of benefit to come through. And they're in a rugby area, um, part of the world, with New South Wales and Sydney. So I, I think good luck to them. Justin, hold the line. We've got something for you as well. You've got a family pass to the BBL Melbourne Stars game on Wednesday, December 13 at the MCG. Still got a heap to give away. Signet Boost Power Banks, Bataki Hams. It wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki Ham. Speaking of the BBL and the WBBL, their general manager, Alistair Dobson, is going to join us in about an hour from now. But your calls for Midday Madness, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you've got a thought on all of this, that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia, where else? Send through your text as well, 0433 98 11 16. A couple of texts coming through on the cricket, by the way. Dwayne Renshaw, out for 37. First thing this morning, he's miles down the pecking order. Uh, JK from Perth, thanks for that. We talked about who's next in line to replace Dave Warner yesterday. Um, well, uh, I think um, Marcus Harris only made three as well. So maybe Candace was right. There's just no one knocking the door down to take Davey's spot right now. Mark in Yarraville, welcome to you, Mark. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Um, look, I, I just think uh, this, this academy situation, it's, it's just another example of the way the whole competition's run. I mean, you know, if you get a good run and you happen to play the bottom sides, you've got a better chance of making finals and, you know, the whole thing compromised all the way through with academies and stuff. But if you do away with the academies, there's going to be no incentive to develop the kids. So... I don't think we need to do away with academies, Mark. I think that's the last thing on the AFL's agenda. I don't think anybody really wants that. I think we need a bigger price paid for a first-round pick. So if you've got a first-round pick, you kind of need a first-round pick to get a first-round pick. So if you've got a kid that might get taken by another club that's in your academy and you know he's going to go pick four, you need a first-round pick 
to come up with to try and match it. So if it's not pick four, if you don't have pick four, then you still have to come up with a first-round pick, whether it's pick 17 or 16 or 15. Surely David King said earlier today it needs to be within 10 picks. I'm not sure that that's the best idea either to make it within 10 picks, but he's kind of in the ballpark as to it needs to be a relevant pick. 100% on with Kingy on that. Maybe it's a first-rounder for a first-rounder or a second-rounder for a second-rounder, etc. And I think that the Victorian SA and WA clubs do need access in the first 40 picks to any kid that comes through their next-gen academy. I appreciate your call, Mark. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Love taking your calls. Love Midday Madness. Keep your calls coming, and we'll get you to air all the way to 2 o'clock. Midday Madness, one 736 736 Been talking a lot of footy. Doesn't have to be footy, of course. Uh, I had a text complaining, why are you talking footy? It's November. Uh, yeah, I get that. But everyone knows, well, you know I'll always talk footy with you. You know where I am. I'm here from 12 to 3 every day. And if you want to talk footy, I'm with you most of the year. Always love talking footy. So uh, if there's a default position and you want to talk some footy one day, you know where you can find us. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. that open line number. Even if it is November 25, we're always happy to talk some footy. Happy to talk some cricket with you as well. SEN Summer of Cricket, it's being launched tonight. It's going to be massive. Heard Jared Whateley talking about it earlier today. We're all looking forward to a massive summer of cricket coming up on SEN. Looking forward to your company right across the summer. Heaps to get to, and the form of Glenn Maxwell right now has been unbelievably good. So if you didn't catch up with what happened overnight, uh, he did it again, Glenn Maxwell. He absolutely dominated. Uh, he 104 not out from 48 deliveries. He His ton from 47, equal fastest T20 century by any Australian, Glenn Maxwell. He hit a six and three fours in the final four balls of the 20th over to win that game for us. After Australia slipped for three to three for 68, chasing India's three for 2-2-2. So phenomenal performance by Glenn Maxwell. Uh, Dave in Windervale wants to talk some cricket. I'll play you the highlights of Glenn Maxwell firstly and what was an amazing finish to that win last night, a six and three fours to finish it off with the final four balls of the 20th over. And then we'll come to you, Daniel. Here's a little bit of Glenn Maxwell in full flight. Oh, he goes high, he goes long for maximum. That's Maxwell at his best. Oh, that is a magnificent hit. For another six, 23 from that over. Game on. Just like that. Exactly like that. A reverse. Lap for six, and that brings up his 50 as well of 28 deliveries. Oh, starts off with a maximum, straight out of the middle, onto tier number three. No, he goes towards mid-wicket and clears him by a distance. Back-to-back sixes for Glenn Maxwell. He gets a hundred, goes for four, and it's a 47-ball hundred. Equals Josh Inglis. And Aaron Finch to be the fastest hundreds for Australia. And he's gone straight and finished it off in style. What a century this has been. What an innings this has been from Glenn Maxwell. Record equaling 400 in T20 internationals. Tying with Rohit Sharma. And more importantly, kept Australia in the series. There probably wasn't a 
a number, I think, at the back end that we sort of set ourselves to. But we just thought if we could sort of stay in the hunt for at least until the last over and give ourselves a chance, uh, you never know. If we get a couple out of the middle, we might stay in the game. And uh, we did, did really well just to keep ourselves in the game until the final, uh, final over. Glenn Maxwell, who did it again, and can't wait to see him here in Australia, and uh, was a phenomenal performance. BBL not far away. Alistair Dobson about to join us, the BBL and WBBL general manager. Daniel in Windervale. Welcome to you, Daniel. You want to talk some cricket? Yeah, I actually want to speak about Maxwell. Why don't they just get him into the test side? I mean, the guy's seeing the ball like a beach ball at the moment, and his confidence is quite high. I mean, once Warner goes, why can't they put Manus as opening with head? Elevate Green to maybe number, maybe elevate Green to lock a four, and let Maxi, you know, fill Green's role where he normally bats anyway. So, to me, to me, they need to get him in. To be honest. Yeah, Daniel, it's interesting. I I listen to a lot of cricket people, um, more knowledgeable about the game, and it is an interesting listen to try and work out. They like to compartmentalise it. So T20 runs are only T20 runs. 50 over runs are only 50 over runs. Then again, they also say, well, white ball cricket is different to red ball cricket. And now I'm also hearing people talk about how good Glenn Maxwell's form has been in India overall, how good a performer in India he is, Daniel. So, I mean, which, how do you compartmentalise it? Do you say, well, next time we go to India or... Does Glenn Maxwell all of a sudden automatically become one of our great players for any Indian cricket, including the IPL, coming up? And then he wasn't a superstar in some of his IPL performances recently either. So, yeah, how do you equate it, Daniel? Do you see T20 runs as being just cricket runs and they should be taken into account when it comes to test selection? You do. thing is though it's not just T20 he's done it in a 50 over form as well I mean yeah I, if, there's a, if there's a series that you're going to get him in you know as a mm. bit of sort of like a trial it'd be it'd be this, this this summer when they've got what Pakistan and West Indies yeah I mean I, well I everyone's going to make idea. runs against the West Indies we think so I don't so know. who I do you leave out though how do you leave out Daniel yeah, who do you leave out of the Australian team? You've got Green to get in there somehow. And I heard Jared Whiteley yesterday talking about the fact that he, he'd bring... I think he thinks that Green might be the next kind of guy to come straight back in, given how much work they put into getting him in there originally. You're not going to kick Travis Head out now. You're not going to kick Osman Kawaja out right now. Uh, I know Cam Bancroft is the one that everyone thinks is going to replace Dave Warner, but, I mean, Dave Warner is going to be there probably for the full three-test series against Pakistan. Wouldn't mind knowing you're 11. Daniel, you reckon Maxie needs to be in there? Yeah, I think I think he does. I think he does. I don't know. It's going to be Appreciate hard. Maybe, maybe, leave out, maybe leave out Green and let, let head open with Marnus and then Kawaja can come in at three and Smith at four. Yeah, it's been a few throw-up head opening with, um, well, not with Kawaja, but not necessarily, well, not with Manus. But, yeah, it's an interesting thought. Hey, appreciate your call, Daniel. We'll take a few on this if you want to join us. Dean in Reservoir, you got a thought? Yeah, look, I agree with uh, some of the other callers. I don't know why Maxwell's not in the side. If anything, uh, red ball cricket will be to his advantage because he hits the ball forward of, of, of the crease. 
Uh, and in uh, Red Bull cricket, there, you know, you got three, uh, um, three, uh, um, you know, next to your keeper. <laughs> Sorry, I've lost the train of thought. Three slips, um, slips, and and whatnot. Right. So, so he's got less fielders to to get through. Yeah. Look, it's a it's an interesting process that the Australian selections go through. It's not until you have this weight of runs behind you and a demolition job like he's done now twice that you need to start to have these conversations. And that's what I talked about with, you know, knocking the door down to kick Dave Warner out of the team. We probably needed someone to just do a little bit more damage to kick him out of the team. But I think you're on the right track. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you do have a thought on it, we've got a little window of opportunity to take your calls and send through a text, 0433981116. Alistair Dobson, General Manager of the BBL, still about 10 minutes away. So news, your calls, and Alistair Dobson in 10 minutes. What is your 11 for, let's make it the first test against West Indies, if you like, as opposed to the first test against Pakistan, which is only, what, two weeks away in Perth. Your thoughts on that? Keep a text coming through on that 40 Winks temper text, 0433981116. The text machine for 40 Winks in temper, the all-new temper pro, T-E-M-P-U-R. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses and pillows like no other. Uh, quite a few of the belief that weight of runs, regardless of in which form of cricket it is, the which form of white ball cricket, T20 or 50 over, it should move you up the queue for test selection. Uh, one here, Cam Green, needs to go back to Shield, uh, Sheffield Shield and make runs. Maxi should get first crack based on performance, not potential. So, again, weight of runs is moving in his favour. Uh, love Maxi, but as you mentioned, Dwayne, who goes out? Old mate suggested Green, but Green wasn't even in the last test side played. That's Sam from Massa. Uh, Marsh is ahead of all of them. Keep your tests coming through on that 40 Wings temper text, 0433 11.16. Uh, one here. Well, is it a call of Phil in Hoppers Crossing on Glen Maxwell? So I'm coming to you as well, uh, Phil. Duano, um, Melbourne, us Melbourne star fans and BBL fans in general didn't get to see Maxwell at all last season because of his horrible broken leg injury. Can't wait to see him back leading the Stars this summer uh, with the form he's in. Some fireworks from the big show. Uh, the big show putting on some big shows at the moment. Phil in Hoppers Crossing, you got a thought on the big show? Uh, yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Look, just like Brad Hodge, mate, he's Victorian, so he won't get a look in. There's been a few over time, Phil, that have been very unlucky. Hodge, Jamie Siddons, Darren Lehman had to wait an eternity, and then all of a sudden, it's sort of it's harder to it's a hard team to get into sometimes, Phil, regardless of what era. Oh, look, it is, mate. Look, um, I think even Dave Warner, he, he started up in the big bash. And he got to go, so I can't see why they won't give Maxie a, a bit of a shot. So what does he need to do to get in? Just keep uh, making runs, even if it's in the BBL? Well, that's all you can do, really. Um, mm. you know, there's not much else you can do. We just keep making runs until they've got no choice but to, um, to give you a crack, I guess. Yeah, that's the hard part. So if he goes crazy in the BBL and dominates it, then what do they do if he makes runs, especially early in the BBL? for that test series against the West Indies where there are some runs up for grabs whoever does end up finding themselves in the 11. Pete and Gladstone Park, you there, Pete? G'day, Pipe. I've got a rumour for you, mate. Uh, Will Kelly is training at Essendon to get a, as an SSP uh, player. So 
All right, better check that out, Pete. I appreciate your call. Always great to have your calls on that Werribee Gear open line for Midday Madness, one 736 Head back to your calls. Surely that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious national Kia car dealer of the year. Werribee Kia, where else? And if you're in the market for a new or a used car, drop down and see the team at Werribee Kia. David, Janan, Aid, Jim, the whole team are down there. They've got the EV6 GT. Take that for a run. They've got the EV9 down there as well, which I'm looking forward to dropping in and seeing the guys next week and taking for a run the EV9. So uh, look out. Uh, a new SUV, big one. That's electric, so looking forward to driving that myself. Looking forward to the Big Bash. The 2023 WBBL finals are in full swing, and the BBL just over a week away. You'll be able to catch every ball of the 2023-24 BBL season live across the SEN network. And Alistair Dobson, BBL and WBBL general manager, has been good enough to give us some of his time. Welcome to you, Alistair. Great to have you back on. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Great to chat again. Exciting time, and uh, Glenn Maxwell certainly let everybody know that uh, the short form of the cricket uh, is maybe the most watchable form again. Yeah, it's been pretty exciting. Obviously, some some heroes of our World Cup back playing in the in the BBL over the next few weeks. None more so than Glenn. He'll line up for the Stars next Thursday night at the Gabba against the, against the Brisbane Heat. So yeah, we um, we're pretty excited about that. Then good to have him back and uninjured uh, as well. He's been a little unlucky. Oh yeah, big time. I think it was um, it was a blow to the competition for sure last year when he when he couldn't play a game due to that due to that injury. But um, yeah, he's back bigger and better than ever. And uh, I know the stars are really looking forward to having him out there, and um, it's shaping up really well. At least they're not going to include him in that PM's eleven game and sneak him away from you, Alistair. Like they have a few. Yeah, I think uh, there's there's never any shortage of cricket in in the summer or at any time of the year these days, Dwayne. And trying to balance all that. Is, is tricky, but yeah, you're right. The, the, the big white ball stars are playing, the big overseas players are playing, and we've even got some of our our test heroes and stars playing in the first couple of nights. So, all things being equal, it's um, the, the, the right players are playing. WBBL finals this week, though, as well. So, it's a pretty exciting time in the women's game as well. Yeah, the WBBL's the best cricket league in the world for women. It's it's the highest standard. Uh, the most competitive, the toughest competition. And, and we're down to the last three teams. We had one knockout last night in Perth when the Thunder went down to the Heat and, and the Heat back up again tonight against the Scorchers. And they're both looking for a spot in the final on Saturday night at Adelaide Oval against the Adelaide Strikers. So um, it's, uh, it's been a close competition all year, um, definitely down to the three best teams. And, and Saturday night will be huge in Adelaide. I think um, nothing better than a Saturday night at the Adelaide Oval watching the, watching the best players in the world do their thing. How tough is it for you um, trying to promote women's sport, trying to get an audience for the WBBL because the AFLW is on, the A-League women's is also on. It seems like uh, everyone's playing at this time of year. It might be more advantageous to you if it was a bit more spread out. Yeah, there's certainly plenty of sport. I mean, from our perspective, the, the, the rising tide, if you like, of all those you know, amazing leagues uh, doing their thing is lifting everyone up. I mean, the WBBL, that said, is... I said the, the best cricket league in the world. Um, you know, this is cricket season, and everyone's loving loving watching the best players play. It's um, it's uh, it's such an exciting competition. But but that said, there's yeah, there's plenty of sport and plenty of cricket. We've we've been playing the WBBL through a through a men's fifty over World Cup as well. So November's certainly a busy time. But the WBBL continues to to bat right at the top of that of that ladder, if you like. And how have you seen your crowds and TV ratings this season? Yeah, crowds. I mean, they're up up year on year. We had we, we played our first ever stadium series on the weekend. We had a game, a Melbourne derby at the MCG, and 
played played a game at the Adelaide Oval and, and some matches at the SCG, which is a big part of our strategy of bringing the best players in the world onto the best cricket venues in the world, and and that was a big part of it. So our crowds our crowds are up, TV is really strong. I think you know we we see year on year the WBBL as the most watched league in Australia of any male or female at this time of year, and it'll be that again that again this year. Um, and cricket at this time of year, as I said, no shortage of cricket with the World Cup going on. So between the World Cup and the WBBL crickets through the roof at this time of year. So Thursday, 7th of December, first BBL game. So you get a nice little patch of your own ground before the test start. Yeah, it's a little unusual shape to the season this year with, with test matches starting a bit later because of the World Cup and then going right through to the end of January. So uh, it, is a, it is a bit stop-start for us. We've got seven, you know, seven opening nights starting at the Gabba um, and, then, and then seven nights right through to that, that Perth test match um, a week later, and then after that, we're, we're full swing into into the uh, the BBL season proper, I guess. So uh, it's a little a little bit awkward, uh, you know, unusual this year, I guess, the shape. But uh, that said, we, we can't wait. Opening night shaping up huge. The, the tickets are selling well, as you said, Glenn, Glenn Maxwell, you know, and some big names for the Brisbane Heat as well. So um, it, it'll be a great start. So shorter season, but uh, still, it's going to in terms of length, in terms of. Um, what we've got on offer, it's kind of not that much shorter. Yeah, I think that's that's a symptom of the the unusual shape. As I said, to have seven nights on and then and then take a break for for the day night or the, the the test match in Perth is is unusual, unique to this year. Won't be won't happen again, you know, in in the near future. So that that's meant we've probably not been able to shorten the length of it um, as much as we will post this season. That said, there's also plenty of players coming back from long stints in India that are probably looking forward to a little break there between. Uh, an opening couple of BBL games before before we get back into it. So it's actually worked out pretty well to be able to give some of those players a little break. It's been a pretty a long tour of India, and you know it's even with some games happening as we speak. Um, I think there's a few players looking for for a few days off while there's a Test match going on. Can I get your philosophical idea of the less is more argument? Would you do you think it's going to end up being a longer season eventually anyway? Because we do actually love it, but. We talk about the NFL for an American sports example. They don't have a long season. They don't have too many games, so every game means more. The NBA, by contrast, has so many games that they're playing now and we almost don't care what's happening and who's winning at the moment because they've got too many. The AFL is trying to play that game as well, expand the season but not water it down too much. Where are you at with that whole philosophy? Yeah, we're probably in the camp of, of less is more in that sense, particularly given the sheer volume of cricket going on around the world. We, we, we're unique compared to perhaps some of those other sports that you've mentioned that we are living in and working in a global ecosystem where players are, you know, have, have really heavy workloads. From, from our perspective, it's about making sure the best players want to and can play in the BBL, but also I think an element of scarcity and, and to a degree leaving fans wanting more is, is always a good, a good way to be. We, we expanded the competition previously, um, and perhaps that didn't work as as expected, or had some some uh, unintended consequences, I guess. And as we work through it with our broadcasters and, and players in particular, um, a, a shorter season, but taking a quality over quantity approach um, is, is the camp we're in. And, and obviously, that works for for the, for the BBL. And in a cricket sense, most cricket leagues, whether it's the hundred or um, you know the, the the new the new competition in America, are all around that sort of four to six weeks. The IPL's a little different, but a little different in a whole range of ways. But um, from our perspective, less is more, and um, and it's shaping up that way this year. And given the summer of cricket, is there only so much cricket people will actually go to? Do you do you find that people have to make a choice as to, 
you know, do I go to this BBL game? Do I go to all the BBL games to see my team? Do I also go to the test? How is that overall factor of attendance for cricket fans over the summer? Yeah, it's, it's really important to get the balance right. I think one of the great things about cricket is it has multiple formats and, and different formats appeal to, to different segments of our fan base, I guess, whether it's long-form traditional cricket, you know, in test matches, um, right down to, to a BBL competition, which is primarily there to try and bring new audiences and new fans into into the game and been, you know, remarkably successful at that. So I think the, the, the variety of, of cricket is one of our key strengths. That said, you're always trying to balance uh, balance of volume, as I said, from a big bash perspective, you know, less is more, and that's all part of of existing in a in a really busy summer of cricket and in, in a in a global ecosystem as well. Um, so yeah, we we definitely have to be careful that the, the saturation doesn't become doesn't become an issue. But I think we're managing it pretty well. And what is your core demographic? What what does your core fan look like, age wise, uh, male to female? How many families, kids, etc. Yeah, our core, our core fans has and is and has always been, you know, families com- coming out over summer, uh, spend time together and, and have fun. You know, the, the Big Bash is about um, not only awesome cricket, but, you know, all the fireworks and noise and music that, that, it's, that it's known for. That's still our core. That, in, that said, increasingly 13 years into to the BBL's existence, we now have a generation that's grown up with the Big Bash and, and uh, you know, to a degree, our lifelong Melbourne Stars or Melbourne Renegades fans. And as that continues to evolve, um, you know, into its second and third generation of the BBL, um, we start, we, we, we increasingly have to think about that, the, the re- retaining those fans and delivering the types of things they expect from, from teams they've grown up with. But ultimately, still our core fan is, is families coming and spending time together over summer, um, but, but with an increasing eye to, to the fans that have grown up with it at the same time. And anything new to look out for, new initiatives that uh, you'll find if you go to a game, any tinkerings with the rules? Uh, not so much rules um, this year, Dwayne. I think each club has got some pretty interesting things underway. I know particularly, you know, Melbourne, the Stars and the Renegades have got some, some big entertainment planned, whether that's for their for their Melbourne derbies and, and a few experiences at the ground. I think, you know, from our perspective, the, the shorter season is the thing that we think fans will most like this year. It'll be it'll be short and sharp, but but I guess high volume and high octane at the same time. So, that's where our, our attention will be in, in looking at how that works and uh, alongside all the, all the big-name players that will be here. Alistair, great to have you. Let's hope you get the big numbers, both TV viewers and live at the games. I really appreciate your time and good luck. Thanks, Dwayne. Appreciate it. Alistair Dobson, BBL and WBBL General Manager. You can catch every ball of the 2023-2024 BBL season live across the SEN network. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Always great to have your company wherever you're listening around the planet. Always great to have your calls and your texts coming through. And we'll head back to your calls on that Werribee Kia open line very shortly. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. It's brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? Earlier this week, AFL General Manager of Women's Football, Nicole Livingston, announced that she will be departing the role after seven seasons in that role, having joined the AFL after the inaugural season in 2017 and overseeing the expansion and growth of the AFLW competition to 18 teams. It's been one of the toughest jobs you could possibly have, and Nicole has done a damn good job at it. Nicole, uh, welcome to the program. Great to have you back. <laughs> Thanks, Dwayne. Almost as tough as talkback radio, right? 
Oh no, I think uh, I've got an easy job. I get to I get to talk about it. You have to do it, and that's the hard yeah. part about the AFLW. You really had to expand and grow this thing really quickly, and and get the skill yeah. level to grow as quickly as possible. It it has been a pretty tough job. Oh look, it's 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 had its challenges, but it certainly had more reward. Um, an opportunity uh, for women in Australia than, than challenges, I think. Uh, we, As you said, we went from 8 to 18 very quickly, uh, 8, 10, 14, and then into 18. And uh, we've expanded from 216 players to 540 players. So it's grown very quickly. But I think looking at the 2023 season, our eights, it's been a really good season, uh, both on and off the field. So I think the time is right to um, pass the baton. So congratulations on what you have done. What are you most proud of? Is it the, the rapid expansion and growth to get it to a point where, uh, I suppose when you walked into the job, the 18-team comp was a dream, but did you think it would come about that quickly? What, what are you most proud of? Yeah, well, actually, one of our campaigns uh, for Season 7 was from uh, a dream to 18 teams. So you're right, it was uh, a fairly big highlight for everybody working in AFLW to get to the 18 teams. And we shared that moment on field at the MCG with 18 AFL players and 18 AFLW players just to record the moment that the competition became whole from an elite perspective. Uh, And I think about uh, the grand final against um, Adelaide and Carlton and 53,034 coming in the doors of Adelaide Oval and kind of being on operations that day and having the calls coming through from the team at Adelaide Oval as they were opening up new levels and more people were streaming in. So there's been lots of highlights. I'm hoping this weekend will be a highlight as well uh, for a last grand final with a new player in the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos uh, into the grand final. Well, let's just uh, address that one quickly then. Why isn't it at Marvel? Why didn't you move it? Why wasn't Marvel booked? So we, uh, before the season started, we uh, announced all of the venues that we had on hold across the nation for the grand final. Marvel is obviously a multi-purpose venue, as uh, is most of the venues, the big venues around the nation that kick into cricket mode as well. So many of them have uh, wickets in them. Marvel's just come off uh, Paul McCartney, a whole heap of concerts, and they've just had motocross on there as well. So it's certainly not fit for our AFLW grand final at the moment from a turf point of view. And Princess Park is looking a treat. So we'll we'll get close to 13,000 in there on Sunday. And uh, that's actually, you know, it's, it's going to be a really great uh, atmosphere for our players to be able to, to play to a full house. Is that something that if the competition continues to grow, you just have to plan for a grand final at a big venue if it happens to be in Melbourne like Marvel? I mean, you you would have hoped maybe pre-season that you would have thought, oh, let's book Marvel because we might end up with 40,000 people wanting to go to our grand final. So don't don't let it be unavailable. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's... It's a good question. I mean, commercially for Marvel as well, uh, the difference between an AFLW grand final to Paul McCartney, you know, there's commercially, there's a big difference in that. However, um, you know, if we move to a bigger venue, which we did do in season seven with the opening match between Essendon and Hawthorne, um, you know, we ended up getting around about, I think, 20,000. Actually, sorry, I'll correct myself, 12,000 to that game. And 12,000 in a big venue like Marvel actually doesn't feel like a good atmosphere. So if we had have moved it, and 40,000 would be aspirational in time to get to a grand final again. Um, but if we moved it and we got, say, an extra three to 5,000 people coming to the grand final uh, on the weekend, 
it still would be at a venue like Marvel that wouldn't have the same impact as packing out something like Princess Park uh, with 13,000. So you just have to balance that as well, Dwayne. How weird is it uh, trying to have an equal competition in what's impossible to have an equal competition given the teams you've got and the amount of games you're playing, the draw, etc.? How tough a challenge has that been? Oh, look, we've got some uh, some formulas around how we run the fixture um, to, to ensure that there is uh, games against the top part of the ladder, the bottom part of the ladder, and then we also work in the off-season as to the player movement that's taken place. So uh, we also look across a couple of years as to which teams have and haven't played uh, to make sure that we're cycling through that as well. That will grow with time. We've already agreed in the five-year CBA to go to 11 next year. Uh, and then there's metrics to be met in the period of the CBA to potentially get up to 14. Uh, there are so many things that when you're building a new league, um, and, and it's hard because you look at the men's competition that's been around for 160 years and has had a chance to evolve and mature. Um, but for our competition, which has really been a start-up um, of a league, and to balance the things that we're trying to bring in, we now have players on full-time contracts uh, as all year-round contracts. And there's $32 million in player payments going out. Every time we put on another round, it's around $3 million. So we have to balance everything that we're doing in terms of what comes next. So when you think about players being in the club uh, in a year-round capacity, you then have to have the staffing to match that in each and every one of the clubs because the players now have an expectation of year-round coaching or, or training. So there are many things that need to be balanced and it's only human nature to want everything straight away um, and it look exactly the same as something else that you've got a picture in your head of how it should look. But I think it's really important to make uh, sustainable choices as well. We want this league to be around for Daisy's grandkids, not just mm. um, Sylvie if she wants to play. You mentioned one round costing about three mil. Uh, you need to get the TV audiences up a bit, I presume. Is that one thing on the agenda of the next person in your role? Yeah, look, uh, audiences as well, um, or attendances as, as well as audiences. Um, our part, our broadcast partners in Fox and 7 have been fantastic. And the aspiration is to stay on main channel when we talk about Channel 7 because that gives us a great opportunity to be able to to uh, build our audience. But it's a bit chicken and egg, isn't it? And unless you have the ratings, then it doesn't make commercial sense for, for Seven to have us on the main channel as well because they are also a business. So, um, you know, it is all about what we do as well to promote the league. And hopefully you've noticed a difference this year. We've really doubled down from a marketing and a PR point of view to try and build more household names when it comes to our players so that, you know, we know that people know who Erin is. We know people know who Daisy and Taylor are. But we want them to be able to know um, some of these other tremendous players. You know, Emero Driscoll's come out of the W Awards on, on uh, Monday night, a, a bit of a star, a bit of a cult mm. hero for an interview, talking about footy and talking about her brothers playing as well and getting one up and having her brothers follow her into football. Uh, Mon Conti, you know, winning the W Award, uh, playing dual sports. We want more players to be bigger names so that people start to either tune in on, on the TV or come to the games. But the product has actually got better as well uh, as time has gone on. So that will only improve with more girls going through from the Auskick right through to the AFLW. So you think the product getting better is the key? You, you think you're on track for better crowds next year, better TV audiences about building the product with personalities and the product itself? Is that the key? 
Yeah, the footy has to be good too. And you look at uh, the 10 home and away rounds that we had this year and we got to the last round and it got right down to the final game of Fremantle versus Sydney to determine who was going to be in the top eight. You know, the live ladder was bouncing around nonstop. So anyone from 5th to 13th could have made it into that top eight. So to have a competitive competition, competitively balanced competition, and also to give our fans hope that any team can win any match at any time. Um, I mean, that that's the aspiration. We obviously have some teams that have been pretty strong uh, from the get-go. Some of them foundation clubs in Melbourne and, and Brisbane have obviously been tremendous, and so too Adelaide. And then North Melbourne has been amping as well and now into a grand final Geelong has come up. Sydney's done a great job. So I think now with year-round contracts, you'll also see more players move around. Uh, Not quite a national draft yet, but you can tick a national box to go uh, to a club that is not from your original home state. So I think with the success of Chloe Malloy going to Sydney, we'll see more players wanting to move around and, and that will help those clubs that have come to the competition a little later than those foundation clubs. And you mentioned the W Awards. You've resisted naming an award after Daisy Pearce or Aaron Phillips <laughs> yet. Do you think that is still yeah. on the agenda? It's just that you didn't decide to do it? It's definitely on the agenda, and we've certainly had um, numerous conversations about it. But we're only, as I said, um, you know, we're only seven years old or eight years old and seven seasons old. So I think it needs time to actually build its legacy. We know how great Daisy uh, is and was, and also with Aaron, they're obviously two of the names that have been tossed around but I think it's important to be able to build the legacy uh, and give it a little bit of time before you start naming awards so all of the awards are are yet to be named um, including things like best on ground and uh, and and the like so not just at the W awards Um, yeah so I think that will happen in time. What's better a three to five thousand venue full then for the home and away games in you know, boutique stadiums uh, around the states, or is it better to play? The girls want to play in the men's venues, the bigger venues, but they do look empty. I think the players, um, we had the captains in this week talking with commission and executive, and I think they're actually starting to, to really feel the difference of being at the Heartland venues and having them packed out. Um, so certainly the spirit of, of what was coming forward from the captains was that they're actually enjoying um, being at those venues. Uh, we obviously need to have minimum standards to make sure that they are conducive to to playing well uh, in terms of the warm-up facilities, the rooms, and also the deck. But I think they're actually enjoying playing at the Heartland venues and having that connection and seeing the crowds come through the gate. So uh, whilst we didn't get to the, the marker that was in the CBA of 3,500 to uh, pull the uh, lever on another game, uh, to be 12 next year, we have seen an increase in crowds. We had record crowds come to Home and Away. 234,000 people turned up to watch the Home and Away. So um, I think they're enjoying being at, at, at those venues. So more Arden Street, more Icon, more Punt Road, etc. Is it is a smaller venue more conducive to scoring or does that congest it with 16 a team? There's been suggestion that the smaller venues are good, but then you'd almost be better off going to 14 players on the field to allow more space for ball use. They're actually they're actually all different um, dimensions. We've, we did a media guide uh, this year that had all of that listed in it, and and you think about Norwood, that's actually quite skinny, uh, and some of the bigger venues like GMHBA. So they're all very different. Uh, so sometimes that's a home ground advantage as well. Uh, you know, Geelong talk a lot about being at GMHBA and having that home ground advantage of having uh, trained on there in preparation for the season and matches. 
So, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, probably more the question is around 16 or 18 on the field, like the men's competition. We are starting to certainly see uh, a maturing of, of game style. And although there still are a lot of stoppages in the game, uh, it, you know, perhaps it lends itself to, to in the future getting to 18 on the field instead of 16. Wow. So rather than go to back to 14 and open up space, you, you think going to 18 is the way to go? Well, particularly when you're playing on the same sort of, and I know I just said that they're all different sizing, mm. but um, they are AFL standard venues. So they're still, they're still big grounds. Um, you know, I look at other women's sport like WBBL that actually bring boundaries in and things like that. I don't think our players want to, to do that, but um, certainly if we can keep the congestion down, you know, something for Laura Kane to look at, and I know she is looking at it in the future years, you know, what does it look like if the congestion's in a good spot? You know, could you bring uh, 18 onto the field? So it's a bugbear in mind, the congestion in the AFLW, Nicole, as it was with the mm. AFL itself for over a decade. Can you get the umpires to just pay a free kick? I mean, the congestion and <laughs> not paying free kicks and not paying the in, back, in the backs, with, that causes more congestion and more ball-ups, doesn't it? Uh, were you frustrated yeah, watching that last quarter, Brisbane-Geelong? Oh, look, it, it was, um, and, and it's also a coaching style, right? So you, mm. And I hear it when I'm at the venues where, you know, on the bench they're yelling out stoppages, stoppages to protect the lead in the last couple of minutes. Um, so it is definitely a game style as well. Uh, there were a lot of tackles that were thrown uh, in that game in, in totality, but also in the last quarter. Um, so are you suggesting they need to blow the whistle sooner? Or yes. Or are you suggesting they need to let 100%. it go? 100%. Pay the impacts, pay the throws, Nicole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we've got one more game to go, and I'm sure the umpiring team that's going to be announced is a crack umpiring team. I'm sure they're listening to you right now, Dwayne. They'll take you for the I'm sure they're not, but hopefully they're listening to people within the AFL who thought that uh, that was uh, putting the whistle away something that's been a problem in the AFL too for me. But, mm. yeah, I think that would open it up more. It's, uh, it, is, it is a fantastic product when it's played at full flight, Nicole. And I think the, the ball use this year, if you can... You know, get more of those, you know, five to ten metre handballs rather than the two to three metre yeah. handballs to open it up as well. The, the skill level will improve. It's just the tackling, to me, the tackling's so damn good. The girls tackle mm. exceptionally well and their handball skills, when they come up to that level as well, might open it up. Uh, it seems like the coaches are coaching to tackle and congest and cause ball up. So you're right about the coaches, but do we need to get onto them a bit more? Uh, look, we do meet with our coaches. We do talk about game style. Um, we did that this year as well. And our, our crew that run uh, the data analytics um, are sharing a lot of that information with the coaches as well. But at the end of the day, Dwayne, they want to win a match as well. So mm, yeah. I hope this weekend we see some free-flowing football. These two teams can move the ball beautifully. So I hope, um, but they're also very good defensively as well. So you might see players drop behind the ball to be able to protect. But I think um, I think these two teams will play a good style of footy. These are the best of the best, as they should be in the grand final. Yeah, I think we see that uh, the 6-6-6 six, six and six has been good because you get a goal, everybody gets back into position. But if you've got mm, a sport mm. where there's no goals, no one gets back into position. So it's the same thing with the AFLW. Yeah. We need more goals and... We'll get them back into position more often. Look, I could discuss with you this for an hour, yes. Nicole. It's great to have the chat with you. I like talking the, the nuts and bolts of the game. Congratulations yeah. on what you've done. Who wins this weekend? Who wins Sunday? Well, it's corny. AFLW does win with a packed uh, house. But I think, um, I don't know, I actually genuinely don't know who's going to win because the, the tenacity of Brisbane 
shines through, but the hunger of North Melbourne puts them on the front foot. So uh, I think it could be North, but I'm not certainly not riding off Brisbane. It depends on whether or not Dakota Davidson ends up taking the field for Brisbane with a bit of a knee niggle from the last match. If she's on there, Brisbane Brisbane will be the favourite for me. You heading to Paris? I am heading to Paris. I didn't have my 50th. It was in COVID and I was always oh. going to go to France and there's a little shindig on over in Paris in 2024 that I might hang out for a little while. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to put you into some professional role uh, in a great commentary <laughs> capacity or something or other. Nicole, great to have you. Uh, enjoy your time off. Enjoy the Olympics next year and uh, congratulations again on the job you've done in the AFLW. Hey, Dwayne, you've been there from the start with me, so thank you for your support. You know, you guys were always calling to talk about AFLW, so I really appreciate the support of W, but the support of me as well, so thank you. No, it's always great to chat to you, Nicole, uh, and uh, it's fun to have you on. I'm going to miss you. Nicole Livingston, departing AFL General Manager of Women's Football. It's a big one Sunday, and we'll talk more about it shortly. You're with Dwayne's well. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's well. There's a call on the line. We'll get to you shortly. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. That open line brought to us by... Werribee Kia, 1-300-736-736. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia, where else? Want to talk a little bit of golf. Eddie Pepperell is going to join us, English golf star, teeing off at the 2023 Australian Open starting tomorrow, so we'll have a chat to him. Nisham Valupale has also been good enough to join us. Melbourne Victory Ford. So let's give Melbourne Victory a bit of love. If you haven't bought your membership just yet, they're going okay at the moment, Victory got a couple of away games coming up. But jump on board, get on board. And when they get home, you can get along to a home game. Nishan, thanks for joining me. Great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be on. It is good to have you on. And uh, you can tell me whether you're going better than okay. You've played with your fifth, two wins, three draws. Talk me through the draws. Were you sort of unlucky that you didn't win those games? Or how have you seen those unfold? Yeah, I mean we've had a we've had a couple of uh, red cards, I guess, gone against us. Um, so that's kind of influenced, I guess, the result of the game. But overall, in the last few games, we've uh, created a lot of chances, and yeah, you could say we're pretty unlucky not to uh, get the three points on those occasions. And set a reasonable foundation for you going forward, given that you've we got Central Coast Mariners coming up this weekend, and then. I think another home, another game, and then you're back home for one or two. So uh, have you sort of set a foundation for improvement over the last five games? Yeah, I think we have. I think um, we've had a good base. Obviously, we're still unbeaten, which is good. Um, and it showed on the weekend that, you know, we were, we can become a very uh, resilient team, even if we go down to 10 men. So, yeah, I think going into the next two away games, it'll be, good. It'll be a good challenge, but um, one that we'll embrace and... After that, obviously, we return home for a couple of weeks, which is good. So we'll be looking to get the three points this week and next week. And they're experimenting a little bit with you. You're only young. What are you, 22 years of age? So yeah. you're playing some good minutes at the moment? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Um, it's the first time I've probably started four games in a row. So, you know, I'm getting some consistency now, which is good, and uh, feeling more, more ready and more eager to impress uh, at this level. And you're a local as well, which adds a little bit to it. You grew up in Glen Iris, is that correct? So at least you got an opportunity to play for a team. I'm not sure how much you aspired to playing for victory as a kid or who you barrack for, but you've come through the local system? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, good to obviously uh, 
play for Melbourne Victory, you know, um, I did support them when I was young. So, you know, to do that is uh, it's a privilege. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of living the dream now. And they've given you a long-term contract as well. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just signed on for three years. So, you know, committed my future to the club and uh, happy to do so. And, yeah, looking forward to what we can uh, achieve together. And the future fairly bright for you. You've played a few games for the Australian under-23 side now, so your career's kicking along okay? Yeah, not doing too bad. Um, it's always good to uh, represent the national team at, uh, at any level. So, you know, it's a good experience to play play other teams in Asia abroad and, uh, you know, one that I can keep on uh, trying to achieve and uh, keep pushing. Yeah, let's hope you do, uh, Nishan. Great to have you on. Good to give Melbourne Victory a little bit of love and we'll do it again when you return home in a couple of weeks' time. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, thank you. Nishan Valupale, if you haven't bought your Melbourne Victory membership, make sure you jump on board. Want the A-League to get lost in the wash. Had a good chat to Simon Hill yesterday, which uh, a lot of nice texts came through on it. What's been lost in the wash today? one 736 736 that open line number. Or you can jump on the text machine for 40 Winks and Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, Temper, 0433981116. Send through a text and I'll read a couple out. The all-new Temper, Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Mattresses like no other. Don't want what Nicole Livingston had to say about... The numbers for AFLW to get lost in the wash. Thinking of banging it out from 16 to 18 per team on the field, just like the men, which is a surprise to me. If I was going to do anything, I'd be reducing the men's numbers from 18 to 16. But it's surprised to me. I thought that they might even consider going to 14 in the AFLW, but no. Uh, one here from Stephen, play 12 per team and reduce the ground sizes. Thanks for that. Uh, yes, Dwayne, been saying for years, pay the free kicks and it'll open the game up by clearing the congestion, Sam, from Massey. Let's hope that message gets through to the umpires for this weekend's AFLW Grand Final. Dwayne, it should be up to all clubs to develop players for all uh, clubs. Get rid of it and have a straight, fair draft. That's uh, get rid of the academies. At least one thing in the AFL needs to be fair. Might as well be the draft. Yeah, I, I wouldn't get rid of the father-son rule and I wouldn't get rid of academy. So uh, hopefully they're here to stay. Jake, we can agree to disagree with that. Uh, there's no need for Victorian clubs to ramp up academies. It's done through elite private schools. Academies are needed in northern states because there is no other development pathway and near uh, non-existent local comps that can develop players. Thanks for that. Uh, Hi, Dwayne. It's time to get rid of the draft. Go back to zones with proper requirements and under 17, so the clubs will have to develop and nurture their own areas, then reap the benefit and pay the cost of the work they put in. Jeff, thanks for that. John in Port Augusta is on the line. He's got a thought on Aaron Phillips and not naming the medal, the AFLWBNF, after Aaron Phillips or Daisy Pierce just yet, even though Nicole tells us that it might be on the agenda soon. Uh, welcome to you, John. Yeah, hi, Dwayne. Uh, I remember the legendary Port Adelaide Collingwood coach, John Cale, Always saying that Aaron Phillips was as good a footballer as she'd seen up to about 14 of either boys or girls. And uh, of either the boys she coached or the girls. 
I just vaguely remember that. Something back in my mind years ago. But, um, yeah, it's just there. You know, the Port Adelaide coach, Jack Carr, the legend. But um, yeah. is Fox Cricket, Cricket going to carry the Prime Minister's 11, do you know, Dwayne? I think so, John, yeah. It would be great. Get a little, get a little yeah, I think you're going to be able to see it. Yeah. It'll be on there, John. I'm pretty sure it will be. So, uh, in fact, um, I'll get a text in the next 30 seconds if it's not true. But, yeah, I think it's on Fox Cricket, which is great news as well. You can watch it through Fox Cricket or if you have KO. No, it's good that Blair Hartley's in the room. But, um, but realistically, we want Dusty to be happy. And we want him to enjoy his footy. We want him to train well and play well. And um, in the end, I'm, as a coach, I'm not going to put pressure on the timeline of him making that decision. It's a big decision for him. Um, I just hope that he gets the right feeling of our, not only myself, but our coaching staff. And he's a, obviously an amazing Richmond person. And we hope he's a, a long time and obviously a, um, a Richmond man forever. Um, but that's going to be his decision. But my job is to give him the environment that he enjoys and, and knows that he can keep improving. And um, yeah, who knows? A little bit more of Adam Uze, Richmond coach, speaking earlier today on Dustin Martin and his future. There's been a few texts coming through. Do I think Dusty will sign up next year? Should he actually be the captain? Should they name him captain? Will that help Richmond keep him? Um, they could consider him as captain, Adam Uze. He gave a bit today. There's a few on the websites as well. I think the Herald Sun and uh, The Age and various websites like Fox Sports are carrying quite a bit of what Adam Uze had to say. So we had some cut through today, the new Richmond coach, talking about, well, their leadership's not determined just yet, so their captaincy not determined just yet. Um, the fact that he wants to play, well, he used all the words speed, risk, flair, dare he wants to play with as well, which is great news for Richmond fans and footy fans to watch that kind of footy. And he doesn't cut himself any excuses for them not having the game plan sorted by round one. He said that if they haven't uh, learned it, then we haven't taught it. So it's a pretty good press conference from Adam Uze in terms of content. He also mentioned the forward line. If Tom Lynch isn't available for round one, Jacob Kaczynski, Samson Ryan, or maybe they'll move Noah Bolter forward. He kind of intimated that Noah Bolter forward could be a little bit of a change-up. So uh, he also mentioned top four for Richmond, so no ceiling. Uh, He doesn't believe that uh, the players should be thinking anything but that they're good enough to finish in the top four. So uh, some good news stories there for Richmond fans from Adam Uze's first press conference for the new season this Everyone started to get together and get back to training. Something else that happened earlier today was Greg Swan on earlier today with Gerard Whateley. Um, played a couple of things that Greg Swan had to say. He also had this to say about the McClellan Trophy. There's a million bucks up for grabs for the McClellan Trophy. The AFL has changed the rules. Once upon a time, the team that finished minor premier in the AFL got the McClellan Trophy. The AFL decided to have some prize money added to it, so they whacked a million bucks on it, and they made it... The combined home and away wins between the men's and the women's program with the AFLW home and away wins counting as double. And Greg Swan, his lines finished in the grand final of the men's, grand final in the women's, but they didn't win the McClellan Trophy. Melbourne won it. Here's what Greg Swan had to say about that. Shouldn't be the McClellan Trophy winners, should you, making two grand finals? Don't bring that up. Jeez, we... We're flat as a biscuit about it, to be honest. Like, so, yeah, we're, we're in two grand finals and the group that won it didn't get didn't get to a prelim. So, uh, But, it, look, it's it's factored in on the home and away and 
we lost by, I think it was four points, but yeah, it's a little bit of a sore point for us. Because it's not just honorary, is it? It's a million dollars. No, it's a million dollars. Away. 100%. It was, uh, you, you got 500 for the club and the players shared 500 and yeah, that's better than a round of drinks. So um, yeah, we've had a really good year, but we haven't got the million dollars to show for it. But anyway, that's hopefully we can get a premiership and that'll... Um, alleviate some of the pain. If you were asked to reform that, would you suggest that the final series be included? Well, it's it's interesting because it used, it's always been McCullough Trophy was in, at the end of the home and away, but it was, it was a nothing thing, really. I don't think you got any money or you might have got a hundred grand or whatever. It wasn't much. And um, so then they came out and revamped it and put a million dollars on it and included AFLW. And then each AFLW win was worth eight points and each men's win was worth four. So... I think logically, and I know this is going to sound because it suits us, but because the season's short, you probably should include finals with the, with the girls because you know they only play ten games. So it's um, you know if you if you did do that, obviously we would have won. But even going forward, I think that might be a fairer model because the waiting towards the women um, is is understandable, but they don't play enough games for it to sort of even out over a season. I don't think. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Greg Swan, CEO of the Brisbane Lions. So the Brisbane Lions have made the grand final of the AFL, made the grand final of the AFLW and didn't end up winning the McClellan Trophy. Great to have so many calls and texts come through today and uh, there has been plenty of footy to get to. Um, And that open line brought to us by Werribee of course. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia, where else? Boys, great to have your company for Dwayne's World. It's been another massive show. Let's finish off with a little bit of golf. The 2023 ISPS Hander Australian Open gets underway tomorrow across both the Australian and Lakes courses in Sydney. And a man who's been good enough to join me, he's probably got more listeners than I have, given he's got his own podcast in the UK, Eddie Pepperell, English golf star, who's teeing it up. Uh, Eddie, welcome to you. Great to have you on. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for the invite. It's nice to have you on. What have you made of our little country down here uh, now that you've had a, a look at it? You didn't go quite as well as you would have loved in Queensland, but uh, what have you made of it? No, I've enjoyed it. I prepared by reading Bill Bryson's book, Down Under, um, and uh, it made me laugh. But no, I've been looking forward to it, and Brisbane was great. Uh, although I've got to say, I think Sydney, from what I've seen of it, feels like a very special city and um, I'm going to have a really good time here irrespective of the golf and that's part of the reason why I came down just to enjoy Australia for the first time and um, yeah no I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Apart from uh, making the cut and doing some damage on Sunday what else is on your agenda for Sydney while you're up here? Well um, I guess good food good food bit of wine we, I'm staying on next week for three or four days as well and got some stuff lined up going out on the boat and playing uh Golf, more golf, actually. Uh, New South Wales, it should be good. Um, but no, just just to really enjoy the place. And I'm down here with my girlfriend and a couple of friends. So uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah, that, that's that's it. Have fun and, and enjoy it. And hopefully the golf cooperates. But if not, it you know that is what it is. A fire door is my recommendation for a uh, feed in Sydney. If you want Eddie, a good steak, and you can watch yeah. one of the best chefs in Australia cooking it. Uh, you mentioned your partner. So. She caddies for you or has occasionally. How does that does that go go okay? Uh, she has a couple of times, uh, but she's retired. Twice is enough. Uh, yeah, but um, I've got I've got a friend with me these these two weeks, and uh, he's doing a good job. I'm um, a regular caddy. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't fancy the trip down here. So uh, yeah, no, it, it's sometimes nice having your partner on the bag. It certainly calms you down, and I'm less inclined to break clubs. So that's always a good thing.
<laughs> you uh, your best performance sixth at the British Open. Uh, you got a couple of wins on the European Tour. You run up, runner up at the Scottish Open as well. COVID knocked you around a little. How's your progress been since COVID? Yeah, I've got a different form of long COVID. Um, it's affected my club place more than anything else, it seems. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to overcome it. Um, but I think I'm getting there. It, it, I, my swing definitely evolved during the pandemic. I did. I probably made some mistakes in not in not playing enough and not hitting enough golf balls for a period of time. Obviously, it was difficult to do so because we were all locked down. But um, you know, it did affect my swing, and I'm still ironing out some of those issues. But I think I'm getting there, and I'm hopeful that next year is going to be. Uh, I can kick on and kind of rediscover some of the form that I had leading into the pandemic. Yeah. So consistency has been an issue or at least in the last couple of years, it's a fight that golfers quite often have to fight. Well, every sports person has to fight. Is it, is it technique? Is it practice? Is it uh, the psychology of it? How do you fight the fight as a golfer who had it, but lost it a little? Well, I'm, I'm a big believer in technique. So I think that it's mostly technical. Um, you know, obviously people have different opinions and they would argue that it's more psychological than anything else. Although I think in my case, I've always been a little bit, a little bit, a little bit crazy. So uh, I think it's technique and, um, you know, my swing clearly looks different on camera. I've got different shot patterns and so I'm trying to, yeah, like I say, figure that out and, and get back to a place. And also my body, you know, I, I had a back injury in quite a long time ago now, end of 2018. And, and uh, I'm still trying to overcome little bits and bobs with that. So yeah, like you say, golf's a tough, tough sport, tough game, and there are a number of things that can go wrong quite quickly that can that can lead to really quite a drop off in performance. So uh, you've got to keep keep play whack a mole with all the little gremlins so they don't become monsters. That's the hard part. How'd you go at the pro-am today? You just walked off the course. Yeah, well, I shot ninety-five, so I've got a lot of work to do. Um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> no, I had a good day. I had a good day. Good partners. It's the first time I saw the Australian and. Uh, it's one of the best courses I've ever played, so um, it's going to be a great week. It's a great venue for the tournament. So it's a little bit of a different format. The men and women both play in the Australian Open uh, at the Australian and the Lakes, so it's a little bit of a different format to the norm. Yeah, it is. We actually I played one in Northern Ireland back in the summer, just gone. So uh, that was also ISPS handle sponsored. Um, I think it's a good initiative. You know, we also have another one that we play on the European Tour in Sweden, which is fully integrated mix, which I personally prefer. I always think it's better to, if you're going to, you know, if we're going to have the men and the women together, then it's best to play together. But that's not quite where this is, where this one's at. But um, a great initiative nonetheless, and uh, definitely the direction that golf is heading. Um, you know, I would be supportive of that. And you're a bit of an entertainer in your own right. You've been outspoken in the past. You've let the world know that you didn't really like live and you haven't been uh, all that warm to that uh you must enjoy the stage eddie because even when you're not on the leaderboard as high as you'd like to be you don't mind stepping up when it comes to the press conference well um i find tweeting you know like most people online it's it's a lot easier than it doing it behind a screen than actually in person but um and I, I do succumb to that sometimes, I think, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I have been outspoken again to live. I, I think there are a myriad of reasons why it's not been great for professional golf. And um, But people see things differently, which is fine. But, uh, yeah, professional golf is in a strange place at the moment. And, you know, I hope there's a way out. I'm sure there is, as always. But it might take some time. And yeah. Always great to have people on with an opinion, Eddie. Uh, and uh, love the fact mm. that you've been prepared to have quite a bit of yours. Hey, I know the podcast. Have you still got the podcast going or is that on, on hold for a little while? 
The podcast is still going. Yeah, I'm not sure we've got more listeners than yourself, but we, uh, we're, we're slowly climbing that ladder. What do people Google if they want to hear more of you? Oh, I'll let them decide. <laughs> Eddie Pepperell joining us, English golf star who had a 95 today at the Pro-Am. Great to have you, Eddie. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Cheers. Eddie Pepperell joining us. Uh, time to celebrate some lives, by the way. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Happy birthday to uh, or Manchester United legend Ryan Giggs celebrates his 50th birthday today. Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. And quite a few texts coming through. He is a little different, Eddie, which is one of the reasons I was pretty excited about having him on. That's the show for today, though. We've been driven by Werribee Kia, the team down at Werribee Kia would love to see you. Uh, look after you just like family. You can visit the dealership at Werribee Kia. You'll find that EV6 GT model as well. It's incredible. Fantastic finance options available at Werribee Kia. They're all down there. David, Janan, Aid, Jim. If you're looking for a trade-in, they'll give you top dollar. And they've got 300-plus late-model used cars in stock as well. So drop down, say hello, tell them we sent you Werribee Kia, Old Geelong Road, Hoppers Crossing, and be sure to check out that EV6 GT model, wherebikia.com.au, MCT114. Back tomorrow for Midday Madness.